Welcome to the Outthinker Podcast. Each week, we talk with forward-looking strategists and innovators that are challenging the status quo, leading the future of business, and shaping our world. I'm your host, Kyan Krippendorf, founder of the Outthinker Strategy Network. Liz Weissman is a researcher and executive advisor who teaches leadership to executives around the world. I first met her in 2010 when she had just published her New York Times bestseller, Multipliers, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter. I've been following her work ever since as she published The Multiplier Effect and the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Rookie Smarts. In this podcast, we're going to get to dig into her latest book, Impact Players, How to Take the Lead, Play Bigger, and Multiply Your Impact. Liz is the CEO of the Weissman Group, a leadership research and development firm headquartered in Silicon Valley, California. Some of her recent clients include Apple, AT&T, Disney, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, Nike, Salesforce.com, Tesla, and Twitter. Liz has been listed on the Thinkers 50 ranking and in 2019 was recognized as the top leadership thinker in the world. She has conducted significant research in the field of leadership and collective intelligence and writes for Harvard Business Review, Fortune, and a variety of other business and leadership journals. She's a frequent guest lecturer at BYU and Stanford University and is a former executive at the Oracle Corporation, where she worked as the vice president of Oracle University and as the global leader for human resource development. Have you ever found yourself in a situation in which you're working hard, you're feeling overwhelmed, but you realize you're spinning your wheels and not actually having an impact? I know I've felt that many times. And yet somehow there is that person on your team who is able to avoid the distractions, focus on the right things and make a breakthrough impact. Well, in this podcast, Liz shares secrets of these stellar professionals drawn from a two-year study into how these impact players, as she calls them, are able to get the big, important things done, even in the face of uncertainty. She outlines five mindsets that we can adopt to work on the right problems and have major impact, such as focusing on the real job to get done, finishing strong, making work light. Ladies and gentlemen, Liz Weissman. Liz, thank you so much for being here with us. It's great to have you here. Well, it's exciting to be here for me because you and I share so many common interests and domains our work crosses. So this should be a fun conversation that probably needs 10 hours, but we'll we'll do this in 10 plus 20 minutes. Yeah. And you've got great resources and a book for people who want to go in deeper to find. So this will be a reason for them to do that. I'd like to just open up. I open up this with the same question just to get people to know you a little bit personally. If you could complete this sentence for yourself. If you really know me, you know that. I'm a doer, not a thinker. Huh. What do you mean by that? Well, I put a lot of ideas out in the world, but I'm not the kind of person that sits in a cave and like, you know, thinks. I learn by doing and then I want to share that. And so it's either I learn by doing the work or wrestling with the problems or doing the research. So I am very much a hands-on kind of learner, thinker, and teacher. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you jump into the topic, sense what's needed, and you do the learning for us, do all that heavy lifting for us. So what's your definition of strategy? It's about having an ambition for the organization that leverages its resources and is bigger than its existing capability. 
And for the real strategy nerds listening, which is maybe everyone listening, that might be reminiscent of Dr. C.K. Prahalad. And he was a very, very, very dear mentor of mine. And I was one of the lucky people who got to be sort of infected by his thinking and get to work really closely with him. And he really shaped how I see things. It's like, it's not a strategy unless you can't do it, which is so hard to think about in so many ways. It's not like, what should we do? It's like, what would leverage our capability, but also challenge our capability? That makes it fun. Mm -hmm. Yes, I got you. We had David Ulrich on as well, and he also was a CK Pralahad mentee. And the impact that CK has had is just keeps rippling, really profound. So I want to get into your new book. However, I would be remiss if I didn't give our readers a chance to hear about one thing that you're well known for, I think out in the market, at least when I mentioned Liz Weissman, immediately what comes to mind is multipliers. I was wondering if you could just briefly explain that to someone who doesn't know what that is. I know I'm kind of known as the multi, uh, Brene Brown once saw me at a conference and she just like points at me. She goes, you're the multipliers lady. Right, right. <laughs> this was actually something that CK really influenced my thinking. You know, multipliers came out of this notion. I kind of got tossed into this organization of really, really smart people and noticed that really, really smart people when they get put into leadership don't end up creating a really, really smart team many times that in some ways they're so focused on their own intelligence, they can't see the intelligence of their team. And it's so easy to end up becoming a diminishing kind of leader who's underutilizing the resources available to them. And, you know, what I found in that research is that diminishing leaders get less than half of the available resources on their team. Meaning people come in full of knowledge and insights and capability, but it goes overlooked and underused around diminishing leaders. That was probably the first big aha. And the second was when I looked at the diminishing that's happening, and I still keep testing it every year we look at this, that most of the diminishing is not coming from these like know-it-all narcissistic bully kinds of bosses who just have to be bright, have to be the smartest. It's coming from really well-intended leaders who are having an accidentally diminishing effect, meaning trying to do all the right things, in some ways following popular management advice, trying to help, trying to support, trying to empower, but yet are having as much of a diminishing effect as like the bully bossy bosses. Could you give us just an example of a habit that a diminisher might exhibit unconsciously? Yeah. Why don't we just go up with mine? <laughs> okay. okay. So one of them is just being a fountain of ideas. It's the creative, innovative thinker, like brainstorming is kind of our jam. And it's like, Hey, what about this? And have we thought about this? And have we considered this? And any decent strategist knows that strategy is about what we say no to, not what we say yes to. And when leaders toss out ideas, they think they're getting the party started for everyone else. Like, come on, let's generate thinking. And people are like, okay, well, the boss has got a couple ideas. Why don't we take hers? You know, it's funny. I remember kind of the moment I realized that a lot of leaders are diminishing, not because they're power mongers, but because they're underestimating their own power. I didn't realize that people were taking my ideas so seriously. Oh, I see what you mean. And I think if you talk to any CEO, they find out there's a whole initiative. They're like, man, I just mentioned that to someone in the hallway. Like, I didn't realize that all was going to happen. And, you know, people end up becoming idea lazy around people who are idea rich. Or here's one that's kind of subtle, but is one I've wrestled with is optimistic leaders. I've read all the research about optimism. It's got all sorts of like psychological, physiological benefits, but sometimes can-do leaders are so convinced something's going to go right and that something's possible that 
It's not that we lose our tether to reality. That's obvious. It's that we don't see other people's reality. You know, like I worked for me. He was like, listen, I need you to stop saying that. I'm like saying what? He goes, I think you say all the time. I'm like, what's that? He goes, oh, how hard can it be? We can do this. This can't be that hard. You know, come on. Like we can figure this out. And he's like, I need you to stop saying that. I'm like, why? It seems so hopeful. Yeah. But it feels hard to me. I want to be heard that it feels, it looks hard to me. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what he said. He's like, Liz, what we're doing is hard. And as my boss, I need you to understand that and acknowledge it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, of course it's hard in the process, but other people's experience wasn't getting seen. And so eventually people stop pushing the boulder up the hill or we become so convinced that it's going to work that people don't feel like they can make mistakes. Yes. And Kaihan, you know that better than anyone. Like what happens when people feel like there's no room for mistakes, mm, Right. no innovation or a lot of cheating and not like ethical cheating as much as intellectual cheating of, oh yeah, yeah, that was a success. Oh yeah, yeah. No product works great. Right, right. Rather than that didn't work. Let's redo this and keep thinking. We could unpack that further. Obviously, you've built a career around that as well as you know, your rookie smarts concept as well. I'd really love, however, to shift focus now from that leader to the person who's looking to have an impact in their organization. Can you tell us why did you choose to make this your next research area of interest? I think it's because I had spent 10 years trying to help leaders utilize all of the capability and intelligence inside their teams. That's the concept behind multipliers. It's like, you know, if you hire really smart people, use all of that capability, put it to work, grow it. It was helping leaders create what I call a high contribution organization so that people can contribute at their fullest. And in the process of studying leadership and trying to teach this, I came to this realization. And if I know anything, if I've learned anything in my research, it is this. It's not about leadership. It's about contributorship. And that is that people come to work every day, desperately wanting to contribute everything they have. When people talk about the experience working for a diminishing leader, they're like, it was painful. It was exhausting. I'm like, oh, so being only able to give 50% of your know-how and capability was exhausting. Yeah. And demoralizing. And I started to see very, very clearly that people want to be more than job holders. They want to be difference makers and people want to play big. I just can't find the people who want to come to work and collect a paycheck and go home. Now, some of them have learned to do it to survive. So I started to look at what is the contributor's responsibility in that equation? And maybe sort of crassly put, there was also a comment someone made. I was teaching a seminar and someone said, okay, that's all great about being a multiplier, but you can't multiply zero. Ooh, what's that mean? Like you got dummies on your team? He's like, no, I mean, I can do all this stuff to empower and give people room and space. And he's like, but people have to be willing to step into that. Well, that's interesting. And so I spent the last couple of years researching what do what I call impact players do? What are the people who are contributing at their fullest, doing extraordinarily valuable work inside an organization and people who are really making a difference? What do they do differently than other people who are equally smart, hardworking, and capable? Like this isn't a comparison of like the smarties and the, the sort of lackeys. It's You know, if you've got a room of equally talented people who are efforting their work, why is it that some people are breaking through and making a major impact while other people are stuck going through the motions? Yeah, on the wheel, just spinning overwhelmed, but not actually impacting. So I love, if you wouldn't mind, I know this is two years of research that I'm going to try to ask you to walk us through briefly, but you mentioned these five things about making yourself useful, step up, step back, finish strong, ask and adjust, make work light. Would you mind in a sentence or two 
describing each of those? Maybe start with make yourself useful. Yeah, I will. But Kyan, if you don't mind, I want to just step back and clarify one thing. These five things were five situations that these impact players handle very differently than others. And the situations are messy problems, problems that don't sit into any one person's role. Unclear roles, like we're collaborating, but who's really in charge? Is it me? Like we're in a meeting looking at each other. We can't figure out really who's the boss. Unforeseen obstacles, things you could not have possibly planned for. Then it's like moving targets. You start a project with one aim in mind and then you're off aim pretty soon because the market shifted or the environment shifted or a pandemic dropped in. And then the last one is just the sense of unrelenting demands. There's just more work than anyone can do. And I think my first aha in this research was, wow, these are not crises. These are like micro challenges. These are the things we deal with, whether we work at Fidelity or Oracle or a hospital or a retail store or a middle school. Everyone is dealing with these little daily, everyday challenges. And here's how they approach them differently. The first is when it comes to messy problems and messy opportunities. Most people do their job and they do it well. It was striking how my interviews with managers say, oh yeah, this person, they do their job superbly well. They're not an impact player. The impact players don't do their job. They do the job that needs to be done. They expand their job range to say, you know what? The real action is over here. They kind of ignore their job boundaries a little bit. Yes, I got it. And I've worked with people like that. And it is so refreshing because they see things that I don't see and don't prioritize. They are able to get off the beaten path and say, there's a problem over there in the woods. That's what I should be spending my time on. So this is the first. The impact players do the job that's needed. The second difference is how they handle unclear roles, meaning I don't really know who's in charge. And other people are waiting for direction. Think how many times you've been in a setting where it's like, we need role clarification. We need a racy, a this or a that. And what the impact players tend to do is they just take the lead. Like where there's a leadership vacuum, they step up and lead, which is not that interesting. You know, they're proactive. They take initiative. But what's interesting is that they step up and lead, but they step back with the same level of ease. Okay. So when they define this role or something that has to be done, then they leave the space for someone else to step up once that need has been codified. Yeah. They rotate and share leadership. It's a really fluid model of leadership, very much like Canadian geese flying in a V formation. That leadership role rotates. One goose goes out in front, breaks that wind, creates ease for those flying in the V formation. But then when they tire, they rotate backward. And, you know, I did a little digging on this and that V formation allows these flocks to fly over 70% further than solo flight. And I think in our organizations, we tend to have the leaders sort of exhausted and everyone else underutilized. Well, hey, you know what? Let's take a lesson from the wild geese and figure out how to step in and be a strong leader, but also step back and follow your peers. It's like being willing in the two o'clock meeting to step up and say, I'm the boss of this initiative. I'm going to move this forward. But then to walk out the door and go into your three o'clock meeting, and be able to be a strong follower on the same day. And it creates incredible agility inside organizations. And I can see how that links to the first one in that you have this mindset of we're together and what needs to get done. And when you're clear on the mission and the challenge is to reach the mission, then you just care that it's getting done. 
I like this one on finish strong as well. Sort of like do complete work, something like that. Yeah. You know, this is when it comes to these unforeseen obstacles, the things that just drop in unannounced and ordinary contributors, typical contributors, they take ownership. They're driving it forward. But when something outside of their control drops in, they tend to escalate. You know, we've got all sorts of procedures inside big organizations to escalate. Okay. Well, this one's out of your range. Like escalate that up. What we found is that the impact players handle those situations differently. They They see those challenges not as a threat to my ability to get it done. They see it as, "Mm, well, this is a chance to do it differently. They innovate in those moments, but they take ownership almost like, okay, well, we don't have a plan for how to handle this. Well, then nobody's going to tell me what to do, but they're also going to not tell me what I can't do. So I'm just going to take this thing. I'm going to keep running with it, not solo. But instead of escalating up, I'm going to pull in resources from up and around and down and lead the charge to get this thing done. They don't necessarily shoulder all of that work. They just maintain the ownership. So rather than passing it to my boss, I'm like, hey, boss, I need your help on this piece. But they keep driving it through. They've got like a completion gene. They just get it across the finish line, but end up stronger as a result because they've maintained that ownership. Yeah, I love that completion gene. That's a great term. Yeah, some people have that, don't they? Yeah. Right, right. Maybe even to a fault. Uh, I don't. (laughs) Right. Let's talk about ask and adjust. Ask and adjust about how people deal with the moving targets, the shifting needs. In our sort of ordinary contributor mindset, and maybe this is a good opportunity to make the point that these aren't necessarily categories of people as much as mindsets we tend to wear. I've had lots of times where I was in this sort of impact player mindset, and there have been plenty of times where I've slipped out, sort of doing my job. So when things start to shift, what we do in our sort of ordinary contributor mindset is we stay focused. We focus on the goal, eyes on the prize. Whereas what the impact players do is they tend to react. They adjust. They're like, okay, things have shifted. So I'm going to adapt with those things. Like shifting targets don't necessarily throw them off. They don't get discombobulated, but they also don't stay locked on. They kind of hold that loosely. And then asking for guidance, it's almost like they work as if there's an assumption that they're off target all the time. It's very similar to how a violinist might go into a concert. It took me years to figure out what was going on. Then why are they always making the bad sounds before they make the good sounds? And I didn't realize that their instruments get out of tune so easily. Like, why couldn't they have tuned their instrument back home? Oh, it's so sensitive that even like the movement in the car and getting it up onto stage is going to put that instrument off tune. So they're constantly retuning their instrument. And the way they do this is they're not like, give me feedback, give me feedback, give me feedback. It's how is this work? How is this job? Like, did this hit the mark? If not, what does it need to do differently? They're asking for feedback before people give it to them. And they're not asking about, talk about me and what I'm doing great or not. It's give me guidance on my work. Like they're very kind of divorced from it. It's like, here's me and here's my work and they're different. And so they're like constantly getting guidance on, is this right? Is it right? Can we do it differently? Can we do it better? Right. So guidance is about adapting to achieve the goal, whereas feedback is, how did I do? It doesn't imply the opportunity to then learn and adjust. I've got a ton of questions, but I know that we're reaching the top of our time with you. The last one is make work light. I really like that one. This is when the whole team is feeling this mounting pressure of so much work to do. Most people tend to carry their weight and then they ask for help when it gets to be an oppressive burden. We find the impact players, they make work light for other people. And it's not by taking their work. It's by being easy to work with, like creating no additional, no phantom workload of politics and drama. They're crisp. 
They're effortless. Can you give us an example of something that they do? You know, it might be as simple as when you forward a long email chain, instead of like, hey, blah, 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 what do you think about this? It's the point in this following chain is this. Do you think we should proceed or not? Like, oh, I mean, we know like when you receive an email from someone, you either can answer it right away because they made it easy for you. Or you're like, ooh, I got to read that and think about it and figure out what they want from me. Mm -hmm. And they also just kind of bring levity and fun. I got it. Yeah. In college, I was a waiter. And you know, when you got triple sat, everything got really busy and you wanted to work with people who put the spoons in the right place and kept things stocked so that we could all work in an organized fashion so that we can get it done. I think being organized is one of the ways we make work light being concise, being prepared. I just think of when you've got this heavy load, how do you reduce every bit of that that's not the productive workload? I think that's the impact player mindset. No extra rocks in the backpack. Yep. And I can see how that relates to that first one of being able to distinguish what is the important work and what is not. So I've got a ton of other questions, but we have reached the top of our time with you. And I so appreciate you spending the time with us. What do you want to leave with a leader or strategist that says, okay, I see that we are wasting resources, that there's impact that we could be having. There are people that could be more engaged, doing more to forward the mission. I want to help people embrace being impact players. What's the first step? Well, if you are a manager, it starts with a good multiplier skill of just tell us and ask more. It might be as simple as asking people, what can I do to help you be more impactful? It could be coaching around some of these behaviors, helping people not do their job, but do the job that needs to be done. And I think if you personally are suspicious that you might be working really hard, but not having impact, I think I would probably say the one thing you can do to get started is to, instead of looking so much at your own self-awareness, just be more aware of what's happening around you. And maybe even just asking yourself the simple question, do I know what is most important to this organization and most important to my leaders? What's important right now? I call it the win. Find out what's important to your leaders and then make it important to you. And when you do that, you become extraordinarily useful and valuable and you're working on what matters most. You're working on the agenda and you can't have impact unless you're working on the agenda. Yes. Thank you so much. I think that this has always been important, but I think particularly now as we compete in more agile, fast moving environments where there's more new stuff than there was perhaps before where we kind of had the answer and we were just executing what we knew to do. This is not only important for us as humans, but it's also, I think, fundamental for an organization that wants to remain relevant and continue its mission into the future. Yeah. I mean, it gets you all of your resources and intelligence focused on the right problems. And it creates a work experience that people would say, well, it's not exhausting. I'm working hard, but it's exhilarating. Yes. Awesome. Liz, thank you so much for the work that you do and for sharing it here with us. And I encourage our readers to find your book, Impact Players. And I know that you have other resources on your website and other ways for people to engage with you. Where would you suggest people go? Well, if you're interested in information resources on Impact Players, go to impactplayersbook.com. Great. Thank you so much, Liz. It's always good talking to you. Thanks, Guyan. Thank you. Thank you to our guests. Thank you to our producers, Karina Reyes and Zach Ness, our editor, and the rest of the team. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. I'm your host, Kaihan Krippendorf. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week with another episode of Outthinkers.